We at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice. Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late-night conversations by real-life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Dearest Pachamama, your red earth beneath our feet, we walk gently upon your surface, and we gather food to eat. We gather what you give us in our arms, and we hold it to our hearts, and we thank you for this bountiful harvest you have brought to our hearths, our homes, and our mouths. Thank you, Pachamama, Mother Earth, for taking care of not only the living, but also the dead. Forgive us our trespasses and help remind us to walk quieter and in more alignment with your energies. And what you want from us, let us know. Help us to hear your voice once again. Help us to slow down in this fast-paced, crazy world. Help us to be reminded to be gentle, not only to you, but to ourselves, to our neighbors, our families, and friends. Help us rebuild a community that needs to be so that we humans can get back into nature and what it means to be whole. I pray for the ones that were lost in the fires, both animal, man, and plant. The ones that had to abandon their homes and flee in terror. May you, may you find peace and may you find homes once again. Let the skies clear. Let the fires quell. Let them simmer down to nothing more than embers and let them be buried underground. Let the storm clouds gather in the sky and let rain fall enough to tell the fire that its job is done. Let the heat and the warmth be done. We thank you fire for your nourishment that you do give but you've taken enough let the rains come and let them fall and nourish the lands once more let the old growth sprout up from the ground and fill in the spaces between let the homes be reborn let us sit in silence for but a moment 
for all that was lost and make a promise to ourselves that we will try our hardest to give back and to bring back what was lost. Thank you, Pachamama, for the gifts that you give us. Help us stand not only for you, but for our own health and our own safety and let our hearts be reconnected. Welcome everybody to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 55. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined as always by my good friends and co-hosts, Caitlin Stormbreaker and Sarah Odinson. How is everybody doing tonight? Well, I just completed my first week back at work and it was Ooh. awesome. <laughs> I yeah, to be fair, I kinda did it to myself preemptively, but you know, I'm a masochist, I guess. <laughs> we all <laughs> <laughs> but in all truthfulness, I did it because my husband needed help and if he hadn't needed it, I would have told them no. Understandable. Understandable. How about you, Sarah? Well, my wife just got a new job. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for her, and that is going well so far. She's been doing nothing but training. Yay. Um, <clears throat> myself, um, just been doing work, and then yesterday, uh, for those who can't see, new tattoos. Yep, I got new tattoos. All of the Elder Futhark are now on my arms. Um, I got both arms done. So the left is a mirror of the right. Mm-hmm. And in total, that would be 48 total tattoos. They're beautiful. Wow. Thank you. They are. Your artist yeah. did a Your great artist job. did an exceptional job. She really did. I'm extremely happy with her. If anybody is in the Ipsy Arbor area of Michigan, Ypsilanti, Ann Arbor, look up Bread Idea Tattoos. Uh, the person who did mine, name is Janet Nelson. She is a fabulous artist and she allowed me space to do ritual for these tattoos to come in and I cannot be more pleased. So. Yeah, they look really good. If you anybody wants to see pictures, uh, there's going to be video, of course, for certain levels of Patreon. Uh, Patreon, you are, and uh, you can see photos as well on our Discord server. So if you're not a member of our Discord server, good time to get signed up and see some awesome tattoo photos. So, and I think you put them on your Instagram too, didn't you? Not yet. Okay. The the thing is that part of the reason I did these. <laughs> At the moment, yeah, it is. You want to see them? You got to get on the Discord. Um, but part of the reason that these tattoos were done, I signed up for for this like back in a while ago. Yeah, it we was had to like reschedule this year. Yeah, so I signed up for these really early on, but we had to reschedule because of COVID. And then uh, when the new protocols came out from our governor, we were able to get a rescheduled date. Um. It's finalized. Now, what's really fun is if you look at Mimis Brunner Kindred's calendar of holidays, we're about two days out from House Bloat, the Autumn nice. Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so there was that, but this is a, a long time coming. The Runes have wanted me to get a tattoo for a very long time. And I made the promise in front of all and sundry at convocation during that class you gave. 
I can't remember what the name of the class was, but you had us uh, oh, uh, all make a year-long yes. promise. Yeah, the, the serving the commitment to the gods or something like that. What did I name that thing? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember something doing like that. <laughs> so not only have I been doing the wolf work every day, but I've also finally gotten this done. So this is a, a promise fulfilled. That's really awesome. How about you, Jim? How's yeah. your uh, new job been going? I don't think we've talked to you since you started. Doing Officially. pretty good. Um, so I'm on a second shift type schedule now, which means that I'm uh, going into work in the late afternoon and getting home about uh, getting home about three thirty in the morning, which is about when I used to get up to go to work. So it's been a complete one eighty. And a um, couple things that I didn't really anticipate that have been really nice. Um, I didn't anticipate my body adjusting so quickly, which it has. And how beneficial it was to my mental health, this flipping schedule. Now, I'm not a late night person. I'm always an early morning person. So that last part of the shift, I do struggle a little bit, especially the commute home. But once I get home, I go to sleep and I wake up when my body wakes me up. I don't have an alarm anymore. And that has been a game changer as far as mental health is concerned. Instead of dragging myself out of bed at 3, 3.30 in the morning, uh, just sleeping until, the, until my body wakes me up, and then I go outside and I take care of the chickens, and I stand in the sun and do some sun mantras and that sort of thing. And it's just been, it's been really a game changer. It makes me feel so much better. It is really remarkable what you experience when you're allowed, when you allow the body to adhere to its natural rhythm yeah like when you stop forcing it outside of its natural rhythm i mean the restfulness you get the peace the calm it's it's awesome that last the last you know half hour so at work is kind of rough the drive home you know an hour commute at 2 30 to 3 30 in the morning is rough my you know there's been a couple times like i'm going to pull over and walk around this gas station a little bit but (laughs) do circles around my car for a while and so I've had to adjust my spiritual schedule as well, which is interesting because I was doing prayers at sunset and I still can do those, but I've had to modify them because I can't go outside and make offerings like I was anymore. And that was my year long vow. So I have been just facing sunset wherever it is, been using, taking advantage of the large windows in a lot of those buildings. There's been a couple of times I've been able to do sunset up on the 10th floor, which is really cool. And, um, so I'll just face the sun and say a silent prayer or, or one under my breath. So I'm still doing the sunset commitments. I go outside at noon and and pray as well. Sunrise obviously is out of the question because I'm still sleeping and I'm not gonna not gonna disturb that. But the spirits have recently added on. I've got the request starting uh, what in three days here at the at the equinox. Uh, one of the spirits I've worked with the longest is an underworld deity. And so he has asked for prayers at midnight, which is fine because that's my second break of the evening. It's, it's a 15-minute break. And the building that I'm in, besides the underworld, he's a god of animals and, and plant life. And the building I'm in for that second break at the university is their school of sustainability. 
So it's all the programs for fish and wildlife sustainability, recycling. They really focus on natural lighting in the building. But at midnight, I have all that. I can look out the skylights and see the moon and everything mm-hmm. else. And so that's where I'm doing my meditations. And so it's like, hey, this is all, that's really cool. all firing right now. So that's really nice that... And I think it's a great example. I shared it a little bit in the Discord about how the spirits can be accommodating as well. You know, like we don't have the same sort of relationship that some religions have with their deities where it's very demanding, where this is more of a relationship. And although they are definitely above me, um, it is a relationship. So they're looking at my life and seeing where they can have a better relationship with me and I can uh, have reciprocity and have a better relationship with them. So it's been going very well. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm really proud of you. I know yeah. I say that a lot, but I'm really proud of you. <laughs> going through uh, all well, I want to, I want to get into our guest here, but last thing I want to make sure I, I, in the show notes, as always, you're going to find Saren's Patreon and my Patreon and Caitlin's blog. Oh, speaking of which, I wanted yeah. to talk about this. Since I'm back at work, I'm switching mm-hmm. it to every other week, posting a blog. Okay. At awesome. least for now until I get into the rhythm back at work and everything like that. So no blog this week, but I will have one next week. All right. I just wanted to add in there, and it is in our show notes as well. Now, if you go to Redbubble. Dot com and search for AGF LLC3, AGF LLC3, you'll find the Around Grandfather Fire store where you can get nifty logo tees. And we also have a spiritual accounting shirt and you can get it on phone cases and bags and hats. And oh, that's cool. Crazy stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's not just t-shirts. Um, You can get, uh, let me see, I mean like, there's there's backpacks, there's uh, cases for like your Kindle or your phone. There's all kinds of cool stuff on there. And I and I went through and I made sure the logo or the spiritual accounting little mathematical formula thing that we came up with is centered on everything well. So and you can get a variety of shirt colors and um, there's just all kinds of you can get you can get with our logo a shower curtain. No lie, shower, <laughs> shower curtain with our logo. It's it's they're little, and so it makes a pattern on it instead of one giant logo. <laughs> oh, man. All Why anybody was- would want that, I don't know. But I'm not gonna deny anybody. Hey, Actually, you know, kind of appeals to me a little bit now that I mention it. I can <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. Right? I just pictured what are you like do? three huge version like a huge version of the three of us with a fire (laughs) (laughs) no it's a it's a it's a it's the logo but it's small but it's in a pattern a repeating pattern on the shower curtain because that's how i set it up i thought it looked better that way but um i'll have other items on there soon as we get requests for sayings or slogans i'll add other things in and i noticed that a couple of our listeners like wearing leggings and so i'm going to dig out there and get just the fire part of our logo and make that in a repeating pattern and put put that on leggings and socks because why not oh because we can that's awesome i actually get some of those i know it right wow so that's a great idea i know it but so 
we can go off on tangents quite a bit, so why don't we introduce <laughs> yes, our guest? We can. Yes, we can. Our guest tonight uh, was a really interesting one to me because this is a, a person who specializes in dealing with people who are very spiritual connect, spiritually connected. And so we'd like to welcome tonight Reverend Connie Habash, or Habash, Habash, right? I slaughter at least <laughs> one word an episode. This is kind of a rule on the show. I hit the quota. I'm going to cool. check that off on the sheet. Slaughtered a name. This is good. Welcome to Around Grandfather Fire. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why we make him introduce all the guests so that he slaughters right, you guys don't want to be the ones that do it. <laughs> Right. It's great because he gets us started with laughter right away. So absolutely, I'm up for that. No problem. We're I'm so still tripping on the shower on. curtain thing. I know it, right? Isn't it? Right. <laughs> Thinking about like you know warming my buns while I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's towels. Here, right? you know. Towels. <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable with the whole towel thing. These towels, maybe bath towels. Will you put in a request that they avoid your face part of the logo? Is that it? You can only. <laughs> Yeah, just focus in on that one. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, We're thank so glad you for to have you me. on. Yeah. Yay. yeah, I'm yeah. glad Absolutely. to be here. I'm having a good time already. So. Good. <laughs> Yay. Well, I was eager to have you on because the the book that you came out with, what is it? it looks like mid last year, um, speaks right to spiritual practitioners and people who have a spiritual connection and it's how let me see it's awakening from anxiety a spiritual guide to living a more calm confident and courageous life and for readers um so that that's a it's a fantastic book because you're really addressing how people who are spiritually connected can still feel a lot of anxiety in their life and and methods for addressing that in their lives. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, sometimes we feel more anxiety than the average person because we're more attuned, we're more conscious, we're more, we're very compassionate people. I don't want to say more compassionate, but, you know, we're deeply compassionate. I mean, just the, the opening prayer, Caitlin, that you did, it was like so moving and connecting to the earth. And um, so as spiritual people, we can become more anxious because we're feeling everything that's going on on the planet and we're feeling other people's stuff too. So having really specific tools and guidance for those of us on the spiritual path, I think is really helpful in overcoming anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, agree. I find I suffer from a lot of anxiety, especially at the very beginning of the whole pandemic and with the, the, um, like the very beginning of the black lives matter movement mm-hmm. and, um, I'm dealing with it better now that it's been kind of moving along and I've been able to fix that energy within me, but prayer actually helps me a lot. And so I funnel a lot of that anxious energy into prayer. And so it, it helps me to remember that I am capable of doing something, even if it's something mm-hmm. very small. Absolutely. I talk about that in the book. Um, actually the last two of the seven keys empowering action so you know we can't fix everything but what can i do and it doesn't have we don't judge whether that's huge or small it's just what can i do and offering a prayer is something i can do that i'm empowered to do and i believe that prayer does make a difference and then that also connects to me to 
the seventh key, which is surrender, is offering it up to the divine or to Pachamama, as you were, you know, calling upon in our in the invocation, in the prayer at the beginning of the show. That um, ultimately, yes, we all need to take action in some way, but ultimately, there is this greater presence, this divine intelligence that knows better than us. And I know that when I entrust my life to that my life flows much better than me trying to make it all happen and thinking I know and I've got all the answers or, you know, it's like surrender and let go and know that whatever I need to know will come, whatever actions need to be taken will be revealed to me and that there's a higher order of things. There's a, a actually a yogic philosophy that I've picked up recently um, that I've been working with like through my yoga practice and meditations to where um, like throughout the asanas, I always return to surrender or Ishvara Pranidhana and just feeling that. And it's like total and complete surrender in the face of the divine, whatever that divine is that you think, whatever you believe it is basically. Um, And that feeling of complete and total surrender is such a weight lifter. You know, it's like they are literally pressing the weight of the world off of you and allowing you that freedom to be with yourself and be in that moment. And so it's it's awesome. I highly always recommend just surrender to it. You mentioned uh, Ishvara Pranidhana. That's one of my passions is yoga philosophy. I've actually been a yoga teacher for, I don't know, since 93, 1993. I know. Um, I, I was really excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that's my my passion is yoga philosophy. That's what I teach in teacher trainings. And Ishvara Pranidhana has probably been that and Santosha, which is contempt. Mm-hmm. This has probably been the two main guiding forces in my life in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. It brings to mind when I was in the hospital about. Let's see, my daughter was, I measure everything by how old my daughter was. (laughs) First grade, and she's now in 11th, so 10 years ago. Um, Is that right? No, nine, yeah. 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 That was my my saving grace, because hospitals are like one of the last places I ever wanted to end up. (laughs) I had a fear of hospitals and a fear of mental interventions and all of that, and uh, I had, I had all this abdominal pain, and I just kept going back to Ishvara Pranidhana. Like I'm just surrendering and I'm trusting this is all happening for my highest good. And there's a blessing and a gift here. And I'm trusting that everything I need will come to me. And that was, that just gave me so many blessings through that whole ordeal. And I ended up having an appendectomy. And um, so it's a really powerful guiding force. I'm so glad you brought that. Yeah. can, Can I ask you both, since you're both talking about that. So, when you say surrender, does that mean that there's a level of adaptability? Like there are things that we need to accomplish and we can't necessarily always surrender completely, but does that mean that there's, there's it comes points where there's realization that you're, you're fighting against the stream, that there's an easier way to get there. Is that, does that make sense I mean, as Absolutely. well? I mean, like, yeah, very much so. And and that I, what I like to say is surrender brings serenity. And that it's 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 less of surrendering like laying down and just not doing anything. <laughs> like that's not really necessarily the idea, although that's pretty much what I did in the hospital. But um 
it's more surrendering the internal battle. You know, we all have this internal battle going on with ourselves where we're criticizing ourselves or we're resisting what is, or we're judging either ourselves or someone else. And it's surrendering that whole internal battle into silence and offering it up to the divine and letting something greater than our mind come and guide our lives. The way I understand the surrender is surrender what you can and surrender what is the most difficult for you. Um, Like uh, Connie was saying, whether it's anxiety or if you're um, getting caught up over, I really want this job and I'm like obsessing over wanting to get this and that's all I can think about. So it's harming my relationships. You know, you let go of that obsession of the job. Basically you let go of the job. You surrender it to that divine force. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I have people say, well, it's really difficult for me to surrender like that, then I tell them, surrender what you can. Mm-hmm. Think about something very simple that you can surrender and essentially let go of and surrender that. And then they realize, oh, this is not that hard. Then they can surrender something a little bigger and then a little bigger and a little bigger. And eventually you can surrender that anxiety that obsession that anger the judgment whatever very easily and you realize oh this is how i'm supposed to be gotcha okay that makes sense yeah caitlin when you're talking about like that job that someone wants um in yoga terms we might say we surrender the fruit of our actions so we still take our actions we still do what we feel we're called to do or what we think is the right in quotes thing to do but then we let go of the results and we leave those up to the divine. Um, right. Because of the fruits of our labor are not meant for us. They're meant for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and that we, and we may not get what we want out of it. We may not get that job, but maybe by taking the steps to pursue that job, we develop our skills in interviewing or we meet someone else who introduces us to another job or we become more focused and clear about what we really want. So there's always some sort of process there that is a gift. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but it'll probably come up later. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Cause it's like when we're doing the fire ceremony, we tell people to let go of what you are being burdened by. What's too mm-hmm. heavy for you to carry, but be open to what Pachamama's wisdom is to return back to you. Don't be, don't be committed to this is the only thing that'll be the perfect answer. No, there are other answers out there. Let, let the divine help you figure that out. Yeah. I would say the energy from our fire ceremonies is very similar to like that ceremony is very similar to Ishvara Pranathana, that type of energy, that surrender. It's, I think that's why I connect to the two paths so well is because there's a lot that go hand in hand. Um, but tell us, I agree. Tell us more about your book, Connie. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it, unfortunately. Life has been bananas. But um, what brought you to wanting to write a book like this? Like, what called you to bringing this book about? Well, I had been called to write a book for a number of years, and I had struggled with what I was writing. I, w- I had an, another idea in mind. Um, about spiritual growth, and it just never really kind of 
got past the first couple of chapters. And so I took some time with the assistance of a book writing author program to figure out what was, what could I write from my experience and my experience as a psychotherapist and a yoga teacher and everything else that I do that would make the most impact for others right now. And I kept circling back to anxiety, that that's something that I've had to, I I would say overcome, but I, I really think it's more of embrace and work through in my life because it doesn't stop. You don't, not, not to say that you're in anxiety forever, but that we have these normal human emotions come up from time to time. So I know that anxiety will arise at another time for me because of something else. You know, who knows? It's 2020s, got a few months to go. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen next, right? Um, and my vote is on zombies, but we're not going to go there. Zombies, zombie apocalypse. Whatever. You know, Halloween's stop coming. It can't get worse. <laughs> I know. Stop you know fucking saying Please that. Stop. Who knows what's going to happen? I was um, on Facebook. There was this meme that was circulating that I shared on my page, and it's a picture of you. You remember Back to the Future, right? Yeah. You know the wild, the mad professor and, and the DeLorean that you travel back and forth time in. And which, by the way, he lives down the road from my parents. Are you kidding? Like, really? I'm not joking. It's not the actor, but it's their neighbor looks just like Doc Brown. It's really <laughs> freaky. We've got a neighbor that looks yeah. like that too. He has a DeLorean. No. Oh wow! No! Oh my yes. gosh! So anyway, it's a picture of the, the the mad scientist sitting in the DeLorean, looking at Michael J. Fox, and going, "Rule number one: never set it to 2020." <laughs> like, no, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so um oh so so why so I I realized that I had learned so many amazing tools for myself in my own life that I had worked with clients with over the years that were just really powerful and transformed their lives that I could put together into this book. And it wove together a lot of spiritual principles, a lot of yoga philosophy. There's Ishvara Pranidana is in my chapter on surrender um, that could really speak to people on the spiritual path who I, I think were not getting quite what they needed out of maybe some of the other books out there on anxiety. So you, you know, it's always my calling to see what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to support others and to help them spiritually awaken too? So the book is also about spiritual awakening through the very experience of working with the anxiety. Awesome. It makes a lot of sense because I, what was striking me when I was taking a glance through it was that, and I've, we've had Buddhist monks and other people on the show talk oh. about this, but there's this perception that I'm doing the spiritual work, so the anxiety should just shut off. should be a switch, boom, gone. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. work that I should be way. zen and peaceful now. I should be <laughs> yeah. like flowing. And Which and then adds an extra layer of anxiety because then you're <laughs> exactly. going, why aren't I anxiety free? Why right. aren't I anxiety right. free? <laughs> exactly. You get, then you get you know, spiritual anxiety, right? Like, oh, am I not doing it right? Am I not meditating enough? Are my prayers not good enough? Am I not making enough offerings? Am I not doing it in the right way? Like, what? am I not good enough? I mean, we could go into that whole thing of, I should. Oh, yeah. Calm, and these spiritual spiral. practices should make me feel calm. And why are they not working? Well, it must be my fault, right? Yeah, and we spiral on that, and then we get anxious about that. So kind of teasing all of that apart and, and stopping that whole um, feedback loop is really helpful. That's a challenge, especially when you get into a situation where you attach a, a deep amount of emotional comfort from feedback from the divine, and then suddenly they go, nope. Yeah. 
And mm -hmm. it's, it's that so a point I wanted to make earlier was that um, one of the things I'm connecting to this discussion is something I learned in ceremonial magic, dropping the lust of result. Because if you're lusting after a certain result, it makes the magic that much harder to manifest. Mm -hmm. Because if you're throwing all this energy and it must be a million dollars and that million dollars has to look like this paycheck or this thing, good luck. Mm -hmm. Because you've just dropped your probabilities by at least half. And your, your probability of getting a million dollars in the mail was already low to begin with. Um, and then so taking that to the spiritual side of spirit work, because uh, magic is, is spirit work to me. It's a form of spirit work. But it's um, when you're talking about these spiritual relationships and why aren't I getting this response? And Well, gods are busy. <laughs> like there's At least for heathens, we don't have omniscient, omnipotent gods. Even Odin is limited. That's why he has two ravens that fly around and bring him news. So we have, they aren't really gods of limited access in the sense that only groups can access these gods or you have to be really powerful to get the gods' attention. It's just that sometimes they're fucking busy. Mm -hmm. And you've got to figure out whatever you're going through on your own. And sometimes that is the test. Okay, you've had all this positive feedback. You ought to know what you're doing by now. Now I'm going to step back and we get to see what you do. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's not. You know, every person's different. Every relationship's different. But I've had times in my life where Odin has stepped back and I've wigged my shit because I went from all this positive reinforcement, all this contact to not a damn thing. And that was because I had to get comfy in my own skin. And that's a rough process sometimes. Mm -hmm. One of the things I noticed with myself, which is why I created the bug out bag for shadow work was if I do something over and over and over again, like a process of grounding and Jim, you've talked about this before. Like you would, you used to tell Mateo, your teacher, like, well, this grounding technique isn't working anymore. And so she's like, when was the last time you played? Yeah, so you were forced to change it and come up with something else. So I had um, myself and whoever decided to read my blog create a bug out bag of like 10 different activities that you like doing that are not work, you know, like playing video games, coloring, drawing, reading a book, listening to music, dancing, whatever. And then five different foods you like. And, you know, I had like three or four different sections. So that way, when you did get into like an anxiety or depressive or kind of manic state, you refer back to that list of things that bring you joy. And you pick like one or two things off of the list. So you're not constantly doing the same thing over and over again right. and getting into that well-rounded routine of what humans do and get lo like lose sight of why that works. You know, you got to kind of like twist it a little bit. You got to change things a little bit. Like that's why there's at least two different ways to go into a different asana pose. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to challenge the body Absolutely. in different ways. And that way you're not always constantly working the muscles in the same way. Right. That's why I love mixing up my own yoga practice. And, you know, there's certain poses that I always like to do. And then I need to bring in poses I haven't done for a while, or I need to work this body group or open up this muscle area um, because otherwise I'll just, it gets stale and then you become, you're not present and you right. kind of doing it by rote and then you're starting to 
do your practice while you're thinking about dinner or what you're going to write in your blog or whatever it is, right? Rather than being present right here with what you're feeling and experiencing. And another thing that's dangerous with asana is if you're not paying attention to what your body is doing, you could end up severely injuring yourself. I've done it many times. times. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even backing off from the physical, I sometimes have to make myself be in the moment when I'm sitting down to play a video game. Yes. That, and that, that is something I deeply enjoy. I can get really good into it, but I have to like put my anxiety about all the other stuff I could be doing and put it aside. Cause the thing that sucks about living in this hyper-capitalist society is that, you know, there's this constant push to hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. If you're not making money, you're, you're, you're not providing for your family, you're be you're doing wrong. Just this whole cavalcade of crap, really. But it's sometimes a real struggle for me to sit down and relax and actually play a video game because I'll be like, okay, well, I could be doing, you know, I, I get this problem with drawing too. I used to be a graphic designer. So, you know, drawing, could, I could be making art to sell. I could be, you know, uh, I used to do amateur music. So maybe I could be putting together loops and beats and stuff and be producing something. A lot of my issue is that as far as that goes of getting present in the moment is a, a being able to approach the moment, engage in it and not worry about all the other crap I could be doing because it's distracting from all that good work of actually relaxing, <laughs> of actually engaging in the anxiety freeing stuff. Absolutely. Well, that's the, the first practice in my book is presence. That's the first key is being right here in this moment right now and learning how to direct our attention to just what is here and find the richness and the aliveness and the beauty in that, whether, whether it's playing a video game and like the fun and the enjoyment of that, or being, you know, sitting by the fire or as I was today outside um, listening to this amazing Junko bird who sings this song that I never knew Junko sang. Um, There's always something in the present moment that's, um, so rich and so alive and, and like you're saying Sarah we're kind of hypnotized or um, what's the right word um, you know we're, we're inundated in our culture with like you might need to keep going and get ahead and do more and achieve more and get more stuff and accumulate more stuff and buy more um, and really the present moment is what is truly filling at least what I find it's really heartening to hear that I'm sorry go ahead brother Oh, I was going to say, we've kind of hit the, the first and the seventh points, but can you kind of give us the, give us the seven keys here? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, give, give us the meat and potatoes a little bit, if you can. Sarah looked like he really wanted to say something. <laughs> That's okay. I forgot what, uh, something. Okay. Oh, um, so with that, that being present thing, I mean, I really want to put this out here. I mean, I've been some form of priest and spirit worker for most of the, the now 16 years that I've been a pagan. You will struggle. That is part of just being human. You know, it's not like you become a priest or a spirit worker or a shaman or a Paco or Papa Messiah and suddenly, poof, this crap goes away. You're still human while doing all this. Right. Even while you're a yogi, you still have to go. uh, You know, so it doesn't matter what your path is in life. You still got to deal with your human stuff. And sometimes your meat brain is just bound and determined to be a dick that day. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's so what I, I would do, you know, if, if my brain was being a dick that day, <laughs> right, it, which is driving some kind of emotion probably in me, is I would sit down and I would become present with the thoughts that are driving that. And then I would try to go deeper into what's the emotion I'm feeling in my body. And I go into physical sensation and I try to shift my attention from the thoughts that will keep, you know, repeating themselves and uh, ruminating and all the things that we do, obsessing on stuff. I keep redirecting to what's going on here in my body right now and letting that emotion we're talking now about, um, I think it's the fourth and fifth (laughs) keys. Do you want me to go back to them all in order in a moment? Um, and, and really staying with the wave of emotion through the body, whether it's, whether it's anxiety or whether it's some other emotion like anger or um, sadness or whatever. Um, but it's a physical, visceral experience. And by letting that wave move through on its own um, and it has its own life cycle, we can actually shift our state, not by trying to make it shift, but by being with the emotion and trusting that it will carry us through there. One thing I I figured out how to do was to create a symbol set for how my body reacted to emotions. Like when I get anxious, I get a stomach ache and my head starts hurting a little bit. So as soon as that happens, I'm like, I'm anxious. All right. And I pull myself away from the emotion, but I still let the emotion happen. You know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a method of being able to catch it in the moment and not necessarily stop it but be like, okay, what's making me anxious? Well, I think what you're, you might be talking about, Caitlin, I'm not sure, but um, I talk about the difference between thinking your emotion and feeling your emotion. Yes. A lot of the times we're actually not feeling our emotion. We're thinking it through, mm-hmm. God, what is, you know, that person was so mean and they must not like me. And am I, am I, am I not likable or they're a jerk? And I don't want to, you know, like that whole story that we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. storytelling mind, not sacred storytelling, but, you know, the, the garbage that we're telling mm-hmm. over and over and over. The monkey um, mind just The monkey mind is what the Buddhists yeah. would say, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and that's actually thinking the emotion, which perpetuates it. It's mm-hmm. the thing we don't want to keep happening is for the emotion to keep going, the uncomfortable emotions. So we shift from thinking it to actually feeling it, like in your stomach being upset and your head hurting. Okay, that's actually feeling the anxiety and how it manifests in the body. And when we stay with that, I find that it always has a life cycle and it will move through in its own time. Of course, that takes practice. It's not so easy to do right off the bat. But um, I think that's what you were talking about, Caitlin. Sort of, yeah. It's just a, it, I use that feeling to help myself catch the emotion and then figure out what it is that's making me anxious and I'm not ignoring what's going on in my body, but I allow my body to process it while my mind is focused on trying to figure out what it is that's making me anxious. Yes. So So that I can then counter that anxiety with something else. Right. And that's great that that you're aware of the physical cues that are indicating, because some people um, aren't aware of Mm -hmm. of something like fear, for example, but they know that their stomach is tied in a knot. Mm-hmm. So when you can identify that, like you said, it's really helpful. And then, then you know, okay, now I, I need to work with the fear and the root of the fear, what's causing the fear. And I find that this process always helps reveal what the roots, roots are and helps pull them up. 
Connie, do you, do you find when you're saying the difference between thinking and feeling an emotion, do you find that sometimes our brain talks us into anxiety that we weren't really feeling to begin with? Absolutely. Yeah. So we could, you know, be just very completely content looking out my window at my, the pine tree and the oak tree and enjoying the beauty of the day. And then, uh, you know, I get something on my Facebook feed or I get a text that's disturbing. Then suddenly my mind's like, and it's taken me out of, I was in a perfectly happy state or uh, my partner comes in and is upset about something or my daughter or, you know, whatever it is. And now, um, now my mind's going on that and has shifted me out of the state I was in previously. Now there's a lot of different reasons why those things affect us. Um, but we can actually, or we could be just sitting here relaxed and then have a thought like, Oh, I really should do that. I really should do that thing that I've said. And, and then if we give, I call it the train of thought, right? If we follow that train and we get on that train, I should do that. And I haven't done that. And, you know, where else, where, where would that train go next? Like, Oh, you know, that I should, that's bad that I haven't done that. I'm, I'm not I'm so terrible. I'm so Someone's terrible. It's so awful. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're going to be mad at me or, or I'm just, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to achieve what I want. I mean, you could just follow that train mm-hmm. on and on. And, and if we can stop it, like you were talking about, Caitlin, maybe stopping it at some point, like, Oh, what am I feeling here right now? You know, what am I feeling in my body? Oh, I'm feeling, you know, like a tension here in my shoulders. Oh, I'm feeling anxious right now. Okay, what what started that and followed the train back? Like, oh, it started with just that thought of I should do that. Well, there's a judgment there. Am I judging myself? I mean, that could be one of the things. And then helping shift that by coming back to, so, okay, let's talk about the steps. So coming back to this present moment, practicing presence, that's the first one, which is bringing your awareness and attention into the present moment as it is. So not how our mind wants to color it or, you know, tell the story about how it is, but just right here, sitting here in front of the computer with you, um, with a quiet mind and an open heart. So we're letting go of the thoughts as they come up. We're just letting them go by. And we're being receptive. Open heart means I'm receptive to how it is, just how it is. Okay, right in this moment, maybe I'm feeling um, really, really angry. Okay, how it is right now in this moment. I don't have to go into the story about it. Then the second step is embodiment so i come into my body because a lot of times we're just up in our head thinking about it right i come into my body with it which allows me to actually feel the feeling and identify it and understand it and then the third step is self-compassion so being okay i'm feeling really angry right now and it's really uncomfortable and i don't like it and i feel like a bad person for feeling angry and i feel really unspiritual for feeling angry or <laughs> whatever you know fill in the blank but okay, I'm, I'm angry in this moment and that's causing suffering for me. And I'm, I get that. And I'm going to be right here for myself. I'm not going to push myself away. I'm not going to judge myself for this. I'm going to be right here for how it feels to be angry with kindness, with care that I would have for a friend. Wait, so you're telling people that they have to be kind to themselves. I know it's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? But, you know, them. go figure. Yeah. <laughs> So much easier being nicer to other people, though. <laughs> no, if I, set the, if I set the standards to a point where I can't reach them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, like like Caitlin was saying earlier, like just uh, let go as much as you can, surrender as much as you can, be as compassionate toward yourself as you can. Mm-hmm. It's building a skill. Like for some people, that's actually 
really, really hard, like compassionate for me. That's, isn't that like a pity party? Am I feeling sorry for myself? Like, no, that's not feeling sorry for yourself. That's sympathy. Compassion is really this caring presence of understanding and caring and the intent to serve. So I'm intending to like be of service to myself and my healing in that moment when I'm being compassionate toward myself. Like any one of us, the example that, that was used earlier, that whole reversal thing, like with the example that Sarenth was using earlier, like any one of us would have told him, dude, you've had a rough week. You deserve to relax a little bit. Enjoy your game. But yeah. he's going to sit there and struggle with telling himself that. Oh, yeah, to be sure. I will tell people that all day, all night. Oh, that makes you relax? You do that. But yeah. it's really hard to give myself permission that. Mm-hmm. It can be it is, really hard. Yeah. We, it's, it's harder to practice it ourselves. Yeah. I could recognize all those steps as you're going through them. Like if it, it, what Sarenth was saying in his example, and then when you were going through your steps, I'm like, I could see bang, bang, bang. If he did these steps, he would have been, you know, and that's kind of what you did to end up enjoying your game. But you didn't maybe realize it was that same process with those same steps that Connie's got outlined. So I, like, I can kind of mm-hmm. see this. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, I mean, I've got a BS in psych, but what they don't teach you, they'll teach you abnormal psych, they'll teach you how the myelin sheath works. What they're not usually going to teach you is how to hack your own brain so that you can actually have less anxiety. Mm-hmm. What they're not going to teach you is, so, okay, you've done your studying, and that's great, but now what do you do to relax? They don't teach you any of that. So it's, it's just this... Right. Uh, going through the classes, you're this little ball of anxiety of, did I do good enough? Am I going to get that good test score? <laughs> oh God, my GPA. But they're not going to tell you, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you get this degree, unless they're a really high institution, no one's going to give a shit. <laughs> right. That's true. I'm also curious, Connie, cause like, obviously our listening audience is all very spiritually inclined people and, and all through our discord channel and our fan base. These are all people that are in different parts and different explorations of their spiritual path. And the part that's got me really curious is from your book description there, the understand the six mistakes spiritual people make that increase anxiety. I, mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me this list. This is what I got to know. I want to know right. how many I can tick off. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get my notepad. <laughs> well, the number right. one, the number one is perfectionism because a lot of people <laughs> speak. Oh, but I can see yeah. nothing to that one. <laughs> um, that we, we uh, often we're drawn to the spiritual path because of this desire to perfect ourselves, right? And to perfect the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So overcoming that, you know, I, I call myself a recovering perfectionist and I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I'm born that way. Right. But, um, you know, just, um, just, I don't like using the word just, it's always unnecessary. Um, recognizing that, that, that human, we're human beings, as I think Sarah was saying, right? And, and the spiritual path is a path that's going to have, this is what, this is what you were saying. It's going to have, I, I liken it to, um, you know, it's not this like beautiful, smooth, polished marble pathway it's like you're in the jungle with a machete and bug spray and you're like sweating and you know like and it's amazing and you get to amazing places but it's it's not always just roses right rose petals at your feet and meditating quietly in the forest and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> ah, <damn it." laughs> 
this yeah. you know, anybody who's meditated yeah exactly but anybody who's meditated knows that your mind is like mosquitoes all the time right you're like swatting away at thoughts and and all that until you start to like embrace okay these thoughts are coming here and um what is it like to just be present with them and not hook into them or fight them you know not keep swatting on but okay how about I coexist with these thoughts and how about I just let them roll through as a witness you talk about being a neutral witness in the book rather than, Oh, I'm latching onto that. And, and our mind wants to latch onto, you know, um, our habitual ways of doing things. I liken it to, we've got a deer trail, you know, we keep going oh, on the yeah. deer trail because it's easy. It's already there. Right. But we're not getting to like the places we really want to go. We just keep going on the same deer trail. So we got to, we want to go somewhere else and we want to go somewhere that we feel is for our highest good and, and better than where we are and mm-hmm. get out the machete. Let's do it. Yeah. What I was taught with meditation, having those thoughts like mosquitoes come up is to allow the brain to identify it as thinking. Like you just exactly. identify it. That's thinking. And then yeah. you return back to the breath or your mantra. And when another one pops up, because it's inevitable, it's going to happen. You just go, oh, thinking. Yeah, a couple of my spiritual teachers, that's the exact practice that they recommend. And it's important, though, to do it with without judgment. Like, it's right. not bad that I'm having your thoughts. It's just, okay, that's thinking. Yeah, and, if you're not saying, oh, I'm thinking again. Right, right. And our just, thinking mind is a very helpful, useful tool we need in life, right, to be able to think. But in this moment right now, I'm not wanting to engage in thinking. So when it's coming up, I go thinking, and I just come back to be present. Mm-hmm. And I have to do that again and again and again and again, probably every, you know, two seconds. (laughs) Right. And then eventually you reach enlightenment and then you have to start at the bottom again. Yeah. And that, that, (laughs) to me, there's not any end point of enlightenment. It's an ever unfolding, expansive process of awakening. Yeah. Always more and more to expand into. Mm -hmm. That was something I wanted to pick up. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, No, 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 go for it. Um, something I wanted to pick up on with your analogy with the machete in the forest. Sometimes once you get to that point, you're not worried about the mosquitoes. You're not even worried about the machete because you're not hacking through the jungle anymore. You're actually working with the jungle and where its own trail leads you through. Mm-hmm. When you finally right. get to this point of not fighting with yourself, it's like navigating the jungle, not cutting a line through it. I find some of the, the most peaceful meditation is when I'm doing something like I might be pacing to keep my brain occupied because doing stillness meditation can be really challenging. I have ADHD. So it can be really challenging for me to just sit, but then there's some, sometimes where I can do a sitting meditation if I've got something else going on. So if I do rocking motions or if I'm singing or if I'm doing something that keeps up here from going there, yeah. Um, I'm working with the jungle rather than fighting with it. Yes. And that is a whole process sometimes of discovering what actually clicks for you. Absolutely. That's why there's lots of different kinds of meditation, you know, mantra meditation and walking meditation and, um, you know, prayer can be a meditation, right? Ritual, of course, is like a meditation. So yeah. um, that's great that you're finding what works for you because there's not any one right way. Right. All right, so we ticked off Chuck Box number one. We all we all guilty. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> what's Box next? number two. 
Oh, okay, so so the spiritual mistakes, right? Okay, so perfectionism. Yeah. I, I hope I remember them all. Afterwards. <laughs> um, so one of them is feeling the pain of the world, which we talked about earlier, right? That as um, we're probably all empaths, a lot of people on the spiritual path are empaths, and we're highly sensitive persons. We pick up on everything around us, and we care very deeply. And sometimes we believe that it's the spiritual thing to take on all of that pain and suffering as our own, but really that only serves to shut us down and, and incapacitate mm-hmm. us and make us not very helpful. I mean, if you think about first responders, they can't take on all the pain of the people they're trying to help and they go, oh, this is so horrible and awful. Like, that's not who you want showing up at your door when your house is burning down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. so, um, so recognizing, you know, with compassion, yes, we can feel compassion for what's going on in the world. We can be attuned and aware and conscious of what's going on in the world. But um, as my energy work teacher would say, you, you meet that out at the edge of your field rather than taking it in, absorbing it, and then letting it mm-hmm. state you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, there were times, you know, back in my 30s, 20s, when I would just be in a ball crying because something awful happened in the world or wolves got shot in Yosemite or something like that, and I'd just be a mess. Um, and I realized, you know, okay, it's, it's good for me to care, but that just makes a mess out of me. It doesn't help the wolves. It's not helping the cause, right? So um, that's, that's one of the spiritual mistakes. And um, let's see, what are some of the other ones? I'm remembering the safety danger polarity. This is an interesting one, the safety danger polarity. So um, one of my spiritual teachers, Leslie Temple Thurston, she does this great synthesis of um, Hindu yogic tradition and, and psychology, um, talks about how our world is constructed of polarities and that whenever we're swinging to one end of a polarity, we're, we're then pulling uh, the other end along with it or we're going to swing back to that other end. And so when we're focused on... I'm um, I need to feel safe and I need to do what makes me feel safe. And there's some things that are safe. And then that's naturally going to create the experience and the idea of danger. And so it's going to create the perception that, well, that over there is dangerous. This over here is safe and that's dangerous. And then we set up the struggle within ourselves of feeling that we have to keep maintaining safety, feeling that there's something dangerous out there and trying to resist it. In yoga, we would call this raga, which is attachment or kind of pulling something toward us, and dvesha, pushing something away or aversion. And um, raga and dvesha are two of the five causes of suffering, according to yoga philosophy. And so stepping out of this polarity that there are things that are safe and there are things that are dangerous and just seeing things as they are in the moment and being present with them as they are, not putting a label on them as dangerous or safe helps us step out of that whole anxiety fear thing about whether like, you know, right now we're living in the time of COVID and a lot of people are in this sort of like, is it safe or dangerous to go out? Is it safe or dangerous to wear a mask? Is it, you know, all this, like a step back into this moment as it is and, and choose and be with that choice and trust that choice. Like, okay, that's what I can do. I surrender the rest. So these are all kind of interweaving together. Um, but there's no inherently dangerous or inherently safe situation. It's all on a continuum, and a lot of it, maybe not all of it, but a good chunk of it is perception. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the mis- mistakes that spiritual people might make, that a lot of people might make, 
but spiritually we might think, oh, if I, if I just do this, if I do, do this ritual, if I just chant this mantra, then I'll be safe. Um, it's comforting and it can make us feel more safe. But it's really the issue of where we're, whether we're labeling something as safe or dangerous that's okay. getting us caught sure. up in that need to okay. feel like I have to do something in order to feel safe. Um, in, the, in the realm of the divine, there is no safety or danger. There just is. There just is oneness, consciousness, at least according to my um, belief system. Um, so that's one of them. Um, the other is you create your reality. Anyone familiar with, you know, law of attraction, that kind of thing? Um, I think that there's some misperceptions of that that are very problematic that cause people anxiety. So, like, if your thoughts create your reality, and I have a caveat with that that I'll explain, then if my reality, or at least what happens, is not good, then I can go into blaming myself, like, oh, bad thought. I've obviously been doing this wrong. I'm having bad thoughts. I'm creating bad things by thinking bad things. And then we get anxious. So like, oh my gosh, I'm creating what I don't want. So I must change it. I must stop. And we get anxious about the fact that we think we're creating what we don't want. So the way that I unravel that is, first of all, and then I learned this from working through my fear of flying. A lot of people have fear of flying out there, and I definitely struggled with that for a number of years after the birth of my daughter, interestingly. And um, one thing that in the, I took a fear of flying clinic here at San Francisco International Airport. One thing that they said in there is that, you know, any given thought uh, or fear about the plane crashing or something like that is not going to make the plane crash. Um, believe me, there's a lot of other people in the plane that are very clear that the plane's going to land safely, including the pilot and all the crew. And, you know, and, and that no one thought that we have is going to, like, create something awful. And, and even if we're having a number of thoughts, we can always catch them at any point in time and shift them. But we don't actually create our reality. To me, reality with a capital R is, it is consciousness and things happen in the world. Like, we didn't create the fires here. I mean, maybe there may have been some of them that were set by an arsonist. But there's people here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they didn't create the fires that happened here in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's not something we created with our thoughts, although we might think maybe collectively there's something going on. But to blame ourselves by that and to attack ourselves by that, I think, is not helpful. And to, to consider that we create our experience of what happens. So there's a lot of things in life that are not in our control. I don't control the weather. Um, I didn't control, you know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying (laughs) yesterday. I mean, right. There's a lot of things that are not in our control, but we can create our response. We can create our experience of what does happen by our perceptions, our beliefs, and by the actions that we take. And so that's how I want to shift people out of that, um, some I, of those mistakes in, in understanding the law of attraction. I, I got to tell you, I'm so relieved because we have talked about this many times. And I don't know, I like, I, I could see Sarantha and Caitlin as well. When you said law of attraction, we were like, Oh, please. But when you say there was problems and issues with it, and then you explained it and it's the, I mean, it's really exactly how we've addressed those same issues. It's like, Oh, good. Because 
I have had so many people that are like really have a lot of really good spiritual message around some areas and then they get into the law of attraction and I'm like, Oh, Oh, this hurts. You're really just kind of victim blaming. I'm going to go over here. (laughs) There's a lot of shaming that goes on. People like shame other people for like, Oh, you, you know, you need to change your thinking and all that. I have had a client who had cancer and she beat herself up for, I must've had the wrong thoughts. I'm like, you know, no, <laughs> you are doing all the things no, you could no. do. And sometimes there is a higher purpose for what happens and we don't always understand it, but um, it's not healthy for us to turn that into a way to beat ourselves up. So I'm sorry, I might have interrupted. No, I'm super, super glad that you've reached this subject and I'm very grateful for your, I guess, different perspective on the you create your own reality thing versus like because I don't believe that's a thing you know I don't believe my sister-in-law gave herself cancer I don't believe my best friend killed herself through cervical cancer you know I don't believe Serence gave himself diabetes you know I don't I don't believe that you manifest things in your life in that way I think you create an expression of your life through the reality of what is like the only thing you truly have control over is yourself Mm -hmm. and how you act and express yourself in the world. Instead of you create your own reality, would you create your own response to reality be perhaps a better way to frame it? I like to say you create your experience of reality because we, our experience is based on perception. So similar to what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of my issue with the, you create your own reality as a, as a sentence is precisely a lot of the stuff that you've been picking up on a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff we've talked about on the show before. And, you know, from the perspective of, you know, there's a purpose behind this, you know, I hear this one trotted out quite a bit and I go, okay, well, what is the divine purpose for me to have diabetes? <laughs> I can't think of one, but I could sure as hell look at genetics and say, well, I'm at least predisposed to this. My ancestors probably had some sort of back in the day. There's a reason this is manifesting now because of how my ancestors processed this, that, and the other, and the way that our society does or doesn't do exercise, outdoor activities, and things like that. Do I want to be outdoors? Sure, but I can't earn money that way, the way that I can with the job I've got. But, you know, um, it's, it's worth pointing out that some, some of the, the things that people will blame themselves or blame each other for, those are systemic problems. They're not personal. They're not even collective people problems. They're mm-hmm. the very way that our systems of governance are set up. For instance, the California wildfires and all the, the West Coast burning the way it has been. Well, if they'd been following native-controlled burns – we probably wouldn't be in this situation. That's not anybody manifesting that except for manifest destiny. Well, so Sarah, I, I was wondering, like when you were saying about the, the diabetes, that there may or may not, depending on your philosophy, be a divine reason for it. But in the context of this conversation and what we've talked about so far, it strikes me as being important of, having some level of surrender to the fact that this does exist and how do you experience it in your life? And so whether the divine has or does not have a purpose for it Mm -hmm. almost can be set aside 
because you are experiencing it a certain way and you've used it for spiritual growth and connecting to other exactly. people and doing important things with it. Yeah. So, I agree. So I agree. We could beat ourselves up wondering if there is a divine purpose or not. But right. really, when it comes down to brass tacks, it doesn't matter as, as much as what you do with it. Exactly. I'd like to say that, um, that things happen and we have an opportunity because of that thing that's happening rather than, oh, it's, I mean, you could say karma or this or that. I don't know. The truth is, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, Mm -hmm. is my past life karma coming up or whatever, or, but here it is. (laughs) Everybody collectively shrugs. (laughs) We don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's an honest answer is to say, I don't know, but here it is. What, what can I make of this? What is Mm -hmm. this? What, what is this revealing to me? what can I do with this in a positive way right. that helps and, others at the same time? And I do also want to say, I mean, even though I have these caveats with the law of attraction, and I do want to say that certainly there are certain thoughts and ways of thinking that can be helpful for us. Absolutely. Think, you know, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying there's some misunderstandings, which I think we're all kind of in agreement about. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I think that's a great way of phrasing it too, because, it's like so many other philosophies. When it's taken to its extreme, it becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and right. that's that's what we're seeing with some of those philosophies is their their toxic side of them because they're taken too far to an extreme. Right. Absolutely. So, um, another spiritual mistake, um, and I suspect you guys will resonate with this too, is flight to light. That's what we used to call it back in the '80s, and now uh, what's known as spiritual bypassing. Um, so not, you know, not acknowledging the shadow, not embracing that, oh, you know, the shadow or, or our, the parts of ourselves that we don't like, that we want to deny are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shadow, the challenges of life, right? They're, they're there. Denying that and just trying to run to the light doesn't heal or transform anything. It just kind of pushes it down and stores it and festers it for later, um, and that and that will cause anxiety. Just having that stored in you, something that you're avoiding, something you're not dealing with, can cause agitation in the body and the emotions and in the thoughts. So I think that's some, something that some people in the spiritual path think, oh, I should never feel anger and, you know, mm-hmm. I should never, um, you know, uh, ju- feel other human emotions that are quote-unquote negative. Um, Folks, the Dalai Lama gets pissed. Like, he does, but, but, he, but he works with it in a very conscious and intentional way rather than blowing up, right? Exactly. Right. Right. Even is, Jesus flipped learned. the table already. Come on. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> exactly. I mean, he went on rampages, right? Um, so there are conscious and helpful ways to work with all parts of ourselves, and I, I embrace our wholeness, not cutting ourselves up into pieces that we like and pieces that we don't, which is very violent toward ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just, I felt like I had to make that point because like so many people are like, oh, but he's always so peaceful. I'm like, you've no. never no. seen him pissed. Mm-hmm. No. In fact, <laughs> there's actually a story about a Buddhist monk who was traveling through um, the mountains and a man stopped him and was trying to rob him. And the monk kept peacefully trying to pass him and get like, get beyond him. And the guy like, physically attacked him and so the buddhist monk having been trained in martial arts easily took him down and accidentally killed him 
versus just restraining him and trying to get away. And he felt really badly about it. But then he later found out that this gentleman was like a serial killer and a rapist in a village that he was traveling to. Um, and I'm not saying that you should like kill whoever stops you in your tracks, but like it's a, a, an extreme example of like sometimes there's dark things in your life that you just can't get past. You have to own up to and face full deal front mm-hmm. and deal with it right then and there. And that way you get better at it. So that way you don't have to go to such extreme measures next time. Caitlin's not saying it, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, metaphorically kill. We're not encouraging serial killers. No, 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 no. no, no. And that monk wasn't a serial killer. He was defending himself. I mean, that's defending himself. That's the thing though. Like if you, if you allow negative thought patterns to perpetuate, or if you allow people to run roughshod over you, it doesn't. There was a great quote I found online. There's a difference between a peaceful person and a harmless person. You a can't peaceful be, person, yeah, you can't be. Go ahead. Yeah, you can't be peaceful unless you're capable of great violence. Yeah, yeah, and that's if, just it. If you're not, that's, you're, that, that's the polarity thing. The polarity, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. And that's Actually, that to me is the balance. Go ahead. Oh, that's right. I made a note to myself because one of the things that you said earlier, um, and it keeps bouncing around my mind, um, you brought up the phrase neutral witness, and my mind immediately went to a problematic author, to be to be fair, but have you ever read Stranger in a Strange Land? No, I haven't. Of course, I've heard Stranger in a Strange Land was set in the future, and they had these specialists called fair witnesses. And the fair witness was really fascinating because it was in a future where so much stuff like we're getting into now could be um, altered. Video could be altered. Audio could be altered. And so fair witnesses were brought into courts and they had been trained to only be fair witnesses, to only account for what they see. And the example that was given in the book was you could ask a fair witness, what color is that house? And the response would be the front of that house is white because the witness could not see the sides or the back of the house. And it strikes me that that's really something similar that you're talking about with the neutral witness, like seeing the things in your life and the problems that might be causing you anxiety for what they are. Mm -hmm. Like even the whole statement about danger, it's like, it's not that that can of bug spray in the corner is out to get me, but I should probably not spray it in my face, but I'm like, that's just, that is just information. You know what I mean? It is not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's being Absolutely. fair to things that could hurt us, but not seeing them as something that's out to get us versus safety versus, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. Yes, absolutely. Seeing things as they are is exactly the way I would say it. Just and and But that's a skill, right? To be able right. to be aware enough of what's going on in our mind to recognize I am painting a picture about this. I'm telling a story about it rather than, seeing it as it is okay there's a spider over there and it's just there's a spider there not like oh my god is it poisonous and they're going to kill me and am i going to have to go to the hospital you know all that stuff like okay there's a spider over there and that's that is what is right now and i can choose to move away from it i can take it outside i can go examine it i can you know (laughs) but um, all the other things are are story about it Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point 
the way I, I take a hook into this is the litany against fear from Dune. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was so into that in my 20s. I, I had like, I shall not fear. The fear is mind killer. killer. The little death that causes total obliteration. obliteration. Yeah, yeah. Face After my fear. fear. Yeah, where it is gone before I will see my inner self and only I will yes. remain. Yes. And that, to me, like, if I had to give a pop culture example, that would be the, like, the penultimate example of somebody becoming a true observer and seeing really like, cause when you take the fear out of the equation, it's, you know, the sword that's on my altar isn't a weapon of death. It's a piece of finely shaped metal until I pick it up and use it. Then it becomes a weapon. It doesn't lose its weapon status by just lying there on the table. Anybody can pick it up and hit people with it, but you can easily say that of a table leg or a can of pop. Intent does matter. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I want to make sure, Connie, uh, make sure, let us know where else we can find you. People that are interested in what you're doing. Obviously, we've talked to you about your book quite a bit, but where else can people find you in the things that you're doing? Well, my website is awakeningself.com, like yourself, Awakening Self. Um, and on there, I have all kinds of information about my upcoming events and online courses, and I have lots of videos and podcasts and articles, blogs, things like that on there. Great content for people that I think is helpful and inspiring, hopefully. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Facebook slash Awakening Self. I have a webpage there. Excellent. And then, of course, my book. You can find my book, Awakening from Anxiety, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Indie Books, and you can order it from any bookstore. And I, I think you can order it straight from your website too, right? My website will take you to one of those portals. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I think we had five. What's the sixth one? <laughs> I'm struggling to remember it. Here's my book. I'm like, what's the sixth one? Oh, my God. Why we write things down? Oh, sorry. I'm driving the bus tonight, apparently. You are. Oh. I appreciate it. It's not Ooh, one of us. Off. Oh, God. How did I forget this one? <laughs> Leaving your body. So... Mm. Times we have in, in, in spiritual communities, especially ones that like do a lot of meditation and higher consciousness work, mm-hmm. um, we, we like to think that, oh, up there is, is so much more spiritual, and that's kind of where I want to be, is not in my body. I want to be up there. Or oh, my God, yes. And our time in our heads, which is not really embodied. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we leave our body is the body goes, ah! right? The body's like, where are you? You're not here. I mean, like, we're walking down the street. Who is paying attention? Who is, I liken it to, um, to like, if you had a toddler. Mm-hmm. Like, kids or, yeah, right? Like, if you had an 18-month-old, say, um, they're in that real, like, I want to explore, but I want to run back to mommy's stage. And you go, well, sweetheart, I'm going to go to the mall for a couple hours, so have a great time. See you later. <laughs> the toddler would be like, what? You know, what? What? I, 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 you know, and they could get into all kinds of trouble, right? They could hurt themselves. They could even you know, seriously injure themselves, right? That's how your body feels when you're not in it. It really s- triggers the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. So the adrenaline kicks in and, and the body gets tense and anxious because we're not really fully conscious here. We need to be fully embodied here. First of all, to just navigate the world appropriately, look look out for things that could be 
could be dangerous, right? Keep ourselves safe. But also we need to be embodied in order to calm ourselves, in order to find that inner peace and that inner place of ease. We can't do it disembodied. So there it is. There's the sixth one. And Uh, and another... Yeah. You know, thank you. I like seriously almost started applauding there for a second. I was like, somebody said it beside us. Yes. Um, But the the other thing that I would add to that is when you are in your body and aware and present in the world around you, spirit can actively communicate with you. Yes. Through messages from birds or from trees or I have a church, a Christian church down the street from me that their sign has messages for me. It's so weird how in sync I am with whatever message anywhere, anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so if you are in your body and you're aware, you can get message from spirit. You can get messages from up there and you don't have to be up there to get them. Absolutely. I mean, fine to go there from time to time, access that, come back into your body, live here, access that as needed, as appropriate, but live and be here because we came into this body, this is our sacred vehicle for this lifetime, to be in it, not to escape it all the time. So, and your body needs you here. Your body, it's funny to think, but your body needs you here. And you need to be in your body. You need to experience this life to have a spiritual life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as, as Sam often points out in his his cosmology, the body is part of the soul. Absolutely. So, obviously, running away from that's bad. And it's it's not that that going into your hooger, your your second self, your second skin is a bad thing. It's not that walking around in spirit form is a bad thing, but you can't live a life doing that. I mean, even somebody that gets even that's even somebody that gets paid to do that kind of intensive journey work is going to need to come back, eat, use the bathroom, take care of the the human niceties every every so often. Just so you know, the flesh vehicle stays around this place. (laughs) We came in to experience a physical incarnation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we came in to experience this world and do work here for the spirits here that absolutely. To be connected to nature, to be connected to the natural world, not disconnected from it. This this is why. This is why so many spiritual practitioners relate to cats. When we're in, we want out. When we're out, we want in. (laughs) Speaking of cats, cat. Yes, you have a cat. I have a cat. (laughs) Well, I kind of invaded her space, so she's very confused right now and doesn't really know what to do. Baby. She invades most of our shows anyway. I'm no having her here. It's, she she's, is, oh, she's uh, black. I love black kitties. <laughs> she is all black except for a tuft of white on her chest. And she's uh-huh. actually getting more white hairs, random white hairs all over her body. But her mom was 100% white. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. Wow. White and fluffy. She's short-haired and black. So, <laughs> Well, Connie, I, I don't want to take your entire evening up. I feel like we could keep talking for another couple hours, but I really appreciate you being on the show tonight. This was a fantastic conversation and I'm really encouraging people to check out your Facebook page and your website. (laughs) I mean, obviously this book is going to be a great resource and investment for all kinds of spiritual practitioners. So I, I, I'm really glad that we had you on. 
Thank you so much. It's been a real delight and a pleasure. I love getting to know all of you. It's great to sit around the fire together. I would love to have you back on if that's all right. Oh, I would love that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yay. Thank you very much. Many blessings to you all. And thank you, everybody, listening to us tonight. We appreciate, as always, all your support and the outpouring of love that we get that we've noticed that you guys have left some really amazing reviews on iTunes and some other places. And we can't thank you enough. Our community, um, we appreciate you so much. And thank you for once again joining us around the fire.